Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Guns, Oil, and Dirt podcast. This is your host, Evan, and uh, today I'm sitting in the basement again, not driving the car. Uh, kind of just, wouldn't say I'm not going to continue to do car uh, recordings, but I probably won't do as many. Found a little bit of time here uh, this evening. It's Friday night. I skipped a few days of recording. I'll probably cut down on some of the recording just due to the fact that I'm going to run out of time and I might run out of stuff to say. Uh, I did notice that my last recording was uh, a bit longer, about 50 minutes. I kind of rambled for a while, which was fine, I guess. Uh, but I don't, I don't really care. Like I said, I'm just doing this because uh, it gives me something to do and people like listening to it. That's cool. I'm going to try and make it educational, try and throw some things out there that people want to hear. But uh, like I said, sitting in the basement doing these recordings is weird. I'm talking to myself. There's nobody else around. Hopefully pretty soon I'm going to be able to bring some friends into this, but I don't know when I'm going to do that. It might take some time, weeks and stuff. And if I put some gaps in between some of these recordings, it's, you know, hopefully nobody gets mad about that. Like I said, I can't do every day. I'm just a normal guy. I work a couple of jobs and uh, I kind of just do this as a, something something fun, get a, get a little bit of the stress off my back working all the time. And uh, I kind of enjoy it. I think it's cool. I want to put my opinion out there. Um, I don't talk, I haven't talked about the news so much yet, but we're, we're going to talk about it real quick. There's uh, a lot of things going on in the news right now uh, with uh, the wanting to impeach President Trump. Um, uh, I think it's uh, stupid, to be honest with you. Um, we're gonna, I guess we're going to start getting into that, but that's, that's, a, that's a thing that's where I stand on this. A lot of people who uh, listen to this, you listen to the title of this thing, you're going to kind of understand where, where I'm coming from. You know, uh, guns, oil, and dirt. I had told a buddy of mine that. I was like, I listen to my recording, and uh, sometimes I feel like I just sound like a, you know, an old uh, farm boy from out in the boons. And then he goes, yeah, well, he's, I think people understand that listening to your podcast, Gun, Oils, and Dirt. Uh, guns, Oil, and Dirt podcast is going to be something that, uh, that a guy like me would put on. And that's true. Uh, that's who I am. I kind of grew up out in the... And growing up, it was considered the boons. We lived in a small subdivision, but we lived on the urban fringe, kind of out, surrounded by farm fields. It's still, uh, um, I wish it was still that way. My, the house that I grew up in is now just all subdivision and stuff, but it's still pretty much urban fringe. I live in an urban fringe right now. Um, I got about an acre of land outside of a city. I live in a township. Um, so I don't I don't have the problems of city limits and stuff like that, which is awesome. Um, a lot of the taxes and stuff are better for me. Lucky me though, I get the uh, the uh, city sewage, which is kind of nice. Sometimes I wish I had a septic, but city sewage has its benefits. But I get well water still. I still live far enough out that I have a well. Uh, it's kind of nice. So there's that, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. I want to talk about a little bit of uh, preparedness, being prepared, and uh, kind of talking about, um, I should actually grab my bag, I should grab a bag and, and 
talk about what I carry with me as my everyday. Maybe I'll make a thing out of that, but but just being a little bit more prepared. I like having the well, uh, allows me to get my own water. Um, and actually I'll probably get deeper into that in a minute, but I'm gonna, I wanna talk about something. When it comes to being prepared, uh, I grew up, uh, we're gonna start getting into some of my philosophies, but I grew up uh, with a, a father um, that didn't have a lot when he was growing up. He, uh, he grew up in uh, what I would say a larger family with a lot of kids, but I wouldn't say they had a lot of money. Uh, so my dad was kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say uh, stingy, but he was aware of what things were worth growing up. He was kind of conservative in that way. Uh, and and that's, that's cool, and it helped me be who I am. My dad was a big hands-on guy. Um, actually, out of all of his brothers and sisters, I think he's probably the only hands-on guy. He's probably the only mechanic um, mechanically inclined one. All the rest of them are, were um, a lot of businessmen, company men, stuff like that. My dad uh, worked in a factory most of, most of his life. That's actually where he met my mom. Um, my mom was a uh, uh, product finisher in a foundry. She actually um, ran a grinder in a foundry cleaning up welds, cleaning up uh, slag off of castings and and uh, stuff like that. And that was kind of interesting. And my dad worked there as the uh, maintenance. He was the head of maintenance. And uh, at the time when they met, and that's kind of an interesting story, but my mom's pretty tough uh, too. But my dad was a big one. Uh, when it came to growing up, he was always hunting and fishing and that was his thing you know dad always took me hunting and fishing uh, when I was younger uh, me and him put a boat together he bought a uh, aluminum Lund you know a v-hull and uh, we we gutted everything that was in there we wired it up our own way we made all the uh, you know we remade all the seats we we stained them and everything like that we lacquered them we ran all the wiring we put in and you know the motor Everything like that. That was a big thing growing up when I was a kid. And uh, I really enjoyed that time we spent together uh, doing stuff like that. We were always building something. I remember uh, one time when I was a little kid, we uh, put up a shed. He dug, um, had me dig the foundation. I was really small, but he had me help him dig the foundation before we poured the concrete to put the shed up. And uh, we kept all the dirt. And that's a big important thing in my childhood. We talk about the dirt part of this podcast, but he he kept all the dirt and the big that we dug out of this foundation, the big pile in the backyard, and I pretty much stayed in that dirt pile until I was about twelve years old, um, and I discovered girls. Oh, that was a thing, but you know he uh, he let me play in that dirt pile for years. It's actually kind of still there. They pay, put some paved stones down on it, but it's still there. Um, but my dad was a, like I said, a big part of my life, a big, big influence in my life. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about here with the hunting and uh, the fishing. He liked to take me camping. We'd go turkey hunting. We'd stay in a tent all the time and, uh, talked about like, you know, off-roading. Dad, dad loved to go off-road here and there. He's actually the one who pushed, uh, I learned how to ride a dirt bike 
when I was like eight or 10 years old, I was pretty young, not young enough to go pro, not young enough to be that good at it. But I mean, he was the one who started that whole thing and I rode motorcycles most of my life. And uh, one of the things he did also do came kind of with that, with the hunting and everything, is every time we'd get ready to go hunting, he'd make me pack my own gear. And he would tell me to pack whatever I thought I would need but uh, this is where this is coming into play is my dad had this saying, he would always call it the seven P's, right? That's prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance or proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. I kind of throw those two back and forth once in a while. But um, he was all about being ready for almost anything. We'd go out in the woods and he would bring two rifles. Uh, one would stay in the truck and one he would bring with him in case one of them didn't work or something happened He can always walk back to the truck and grab another rifle um, You know and he, he was a big man of redundancies. He was always ready for something to happen I mean we'd go up north for a weekend or something. He would bring a you know a chainsaw a hacksaw extra fuel oil, you know this that and the other make sure we had everything we needed um, I'm, I'm sorry, but I bet you we never left the house without a firearm in the truck. Uh, that's just the thing. We grew up with that. I started shooting when I was real young, BB guns and stuff. And, uh, I mean, I've been shooting forever. I don't even know, remember back when it all started. But, I mean, that was the thing growing up, uh, just being prepared for things. And that, that stilled in, uh, spilled into my adult life. Um, I mean, like I said, ever since I could remember, I've had a gun around. I always learned how to hunt uh, at a young age. Always big into camping, sleeping outside. When I went out way to college, I used to do it all the time. I used to sleep out under stars in the back of my truck. Drive out in the desert. I didn't want to lay on the ground. There's scorpions and stuff out there. But uh, I would sleep in the back of my truck, uh, just lay in the bed, stare at the stars and stuff. And that wasn't a big deal for me. Used to do a lot of like hiking with my buddies. Uh, talked about that a little bit in uh, the, one of the other podcasts. And uh, it just was one of those things. Uh, after I moved back to Wisconsin, I don't get out as much nowadays. I don't get to sleep out under the stars. It gets cold here. I wish I could in the summertime. I'm gonna end up trying that this year. Uh, now that I got a little more land, I'll just sleep in the bed of my truck out in the backyard or something. But. Uh, I've always been a big fan of that and spending time in the outdoors and hunting was a big part of growing up. Super glad that uh, my dad took me hunting and I learned at a very young age uh, how to clean ducks. Cleaning ducks was a big thing. Uh, dad wanted to go ducking. Uh, clean geese, turkeys, deer, uh, anything that I needed to. Cleaning fish. Fishing was a big thing. I remember as a kid I'd sit there and be scaling fish half the day. Uh, or it felt like half day was probably only like an hour or two, but I feel like I'd be at it forever. But I mean, that was that was just part of growing up. Uh, and after I grew up, like I said, I moved uh, to Arizona, did moved around a little bit for a little while. And I came home and started hanging out with some people, or even when I was away hanging out with people, I was surprised at how many people don't know how to, you know, clean a duck or clean a, you know, deer, even quarter a chicken. I mean, Jesus. If you, at this point, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not young anymore, but I mean, if you're in your 20s um, and you don't know how to quarter out a, a chicken or, uh, or, you know, I feel like 
I mean, 15, 16 years old, I mean, you should be able to clean a, clean a deer at least. Uh, that's something, but I mean, like full butcher, I do, I do all my own meat here. As far as wild game go, I butcher all my uh, meat. I make my own jerky. I, uh, that's part of that being prepared stuff, the prepper side of things. I call it homesteading, people call it prepping, but here, I mean, shit, we prepare for winter all summer long. So, I mean, that's just life uh, in the Northern part of the Americas. Winter can be kind of bad here. It's been kind of mild this year, but winter can get bad, get prepared for it. We get to get like, uh, you know, snow blowers ready, snow plows ready, your trucks, your cars ready. Gotta usually try and keep a bag in the car in case something happens. A uh, couple blankets and things like that. And I'll, I'll talk about that on a different podcast. Maybe car rescue, car, the car bag, the go bag. Uh, I keep a day bag. I call it my, my man purse that I carry with me every day. That's a, that's a thing. Um, you know, but that's part of the nature of what I do. I got to be prepared for certain things. I mean, uh, I can get a call at any minute and be showing up to an emergency scene. I can get a call any hour of the day or night and have to go, you know, fight a fire or go to a car accident or anything like that. And that's, you know, that's a little different, but, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with that. But, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on is, uh, how I think being prepared and prepping were different for me. Uh, I was always prepared for things. I was always somewhat prepared for things. But uh, I bought this house with uh, with my wife um, five years ago, I think, four or five years ago. I got at least four years ago. Um, and uh, we lived here for a little while and everything was fine and dandy. And then about three years ago, I want to call three years ago, maybe it was four years ago, I'm not sure. Uh, but we had a flood. And this is where it really started kicking off me trying to be prepared in my own home, just having everything I wanted ready. Um, so we live on a hill, uh, house backed into a hill. And uh, we're up pretty high from the land in front of the house. So uh, the back of the house is into the hill, front of the house is where the valley to the hill is. Um, to, it's a valley actually. There's a hill on the other side and there's actually a hill behind the hill that we live on. It's a series of ups and downs. Like I said, it's a hillier part of the, uh, the county that I live in. But really what had happened was we got something, they call it like the 100 year storm, whatever. We got nine inches of rain in two hours, which is, I mean, by anybody's standards, nine inches of rain in two hours is bad, right? But the problem is, is so it had already been a wet year. It was already started. I mean, we, it, we were pretty wet. We had been raining a couple times before, but for some reason we got some storm system. It wanted to hang out over the house and just dump rain and that's, Okay, whatever. Uh, I thought everything was going to be fine, but being smart and uh, or paranoid, either way you want to look at it, uh, <laughs> I thought it'd be a good idea to go downstairs since it was raining and just check everything. Walk around the basement, see how things were doing. And I noticed that uh, in the front of my house there was a little bit of water against the wall, so I was I, I was like, okay, it's raining pretty hard, so I could see how a little bit of water 
would be coming in. And then I walked around to the back of the house where the hill is. And I noticed there was quite a bit of water coming in. Not so much on the floor yet, but the water was coming in. And what it was is it was so much water coming down the hill that it had actually uh, kind of pushed up against the back of the foundation of the house and was spilling over the foundation of the house. So where the brick and the wood come together, it had actually came up to that point and started spilling over between there. And uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't really a good thing. At least I, I wasn't, I didn't want that. So um, we're gonna get into this more, uh, but I'm gonna touch on it. I have a root cellar. It happens to be in the back corner of the house where the you know deepest part where the hill is there. Uh, thank God it's an old house. I have a root cellar. It's a really cool thing. Um, I'm definitely going to talk about that because I'm actually planning on uh, doing some work in there. And we'll talk about me fixing up the root cellar. But uh, what I did, because the root cellar is actually deeper than the floor of the basement, I, uh, I put a uh, concrete bit on my angle grinder because I didn't know what else to do and I cut a notch in my floor. So I have a finished part of the basement and an unfinished part of the basement. The unfinished part of the basement's in the back and I notched the floor to make a channel for the water to flow that was coming in over the foundation in the unfinished part of the basement and instead of it flowing towards the finished part of the basement which is towards the front of the house towards the the you know lower end of the hill um, I actually made a notch so the water would run into this channel on my floor and then into my root cellar so I just basically started filling my root cellar with water um, by the time I was done, it wasn't that deep. It wasn't that much water, but I was able to save most of the, you know, the finished basement area. Uh, I was able to save the walls and have to replace the drywall and stuff like that. I did end up having to replace the carpet, but that was mainly because of the leak coming in from the other side that I ended up having to fix later too. But what I did next is a lot of people kind of laughed at this and I know my wife did. My wife thought I was completely off my rocker about how I fixed this problem. Uh, I ran to the store right away, immediately, and I got a bunch of bags of play sand, okay? And I stacked a bunch of bags of play sand in the basement of my house to keep the water from spreading any further, you know, to channel it back towards that little notch I put in the floor and run it into the root cellar and it kept it contained to one little area about you know a 10 square foot area and my unfinished basement on my concrete floor where it wasn't going to hurt anything it wasn't being that big of a bother I put a couple fans in there to kind of blow the water even more in the direction of the root cellar and that was that was one thing but what I did next is actually uh where everybody thought I I was crazy but so I went to the far corner of my house, um, which is actually the northwest corner of my house, which is the deepest part into the hill. It's northwest corner, and that's where the water was building up against the back of the house. It's northwest corner. So if you can picture that, my house faces south, um, and it's an exposed basement ranch, like I said, and then that northwest corner is the deepest part into the hill. So what I did is I started digging a trench, and I dug from the northwest corner of my house all the way down the west side to the southwest corner of the house, and then I turned that corner and I dug all the way to my driveway, which is on the 
southeast corner of my house. So you picture a trench about a spade width wide, um, 10 to 14 inches deep. I ended up putting a little bit of a pitch on it at the end. So it, I think it ended up being 16 to 18 inches deep, but started at 10 in the corner and I kind of dug it down as I went. Uh, channel all the way around that half of the house. It was a solid half of the house. And then what I did is I, uh, I went and got some irrigation pipe and I ran all my downspouts into it too. And I used that trench to divert the water away from my house. I didn't know what else to do. It took me, you know, six hours, maybe more to do this. And by the time Megan got home, I had already had the pipe in the thing and I was getting ready to start packing dirt on, you know, six, eight hours later. Um, and that actually worked really great. People uh, still think that that was kind of mad of me to do that. They're like, you did all that in one day? Well, yeah, I had to. That's how I grew up. Um, I don't I don't make excuses when, when bad things start happening. I just start working, you know? If, if the storm's coming, man, I, I don't, I get yelled at all the time. The wife said, you know, she gets so mad at me about this. When there's a big storm coming. I'm not, uh, I'm not sitting in the house usually, especially in the summertime. If there's a storm coming and it's warm outside, you know, first thing I do is I go outside and uh, I know I'm gonna, she keeps saying, oh, you're gonna get struck by lightning one of these days. and. I don't do it in lightning storms, but rainstorms, right? If it's raining, I go outside, I grab the ladder, and I make sure all the gutters are clear. You know, trying uh, proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Making sure the gutters are clear before the storm comes. Making sure I have all the downspouts running into my uh, my irrigation pipe. You know, things like that. These are all things you got to look at and think about, and. Uh, but that's where it all started with that storm. Uh, one thing that we found out that we didn't know was coming is um, we have a river here in town. Actually, we have multiple rivers in town. But uh, and I live I live right on a lake. So when I say like there's a flood, but I don't really get affected by the flood waters, it's because I live on the hill in a valley, and the valley drains into a big lake and that lake drains into a river and I'm upstream, you know? Um, I don't have a lot of the problems that uh, some of the other people do. When this storm came through, I was pretty much fine. We really couldn't leave um, the house for a little while just because the valley below us in the front filled with water and the valley b below us in the back filled with water to the point where it was almost impassable. But I was, I was okay where I was, you know, once I got the water diverted around my house instead of into my house. But one thing we didn't know is that the uh, power substation was close to the river and uh, the floodwaters came up and we lost power. And this is where I talk about like when we really started, uh, me and the wife became on the same page about me prepping. I was always kind of a prepper. She always thought I was kind of nuts. but. Uh, we lost power for, I'm pretty sure it was like 10 days, maybe 12. And uh, we, uh, sorry, we basically, uh, being that I'm prepared for some of these things, I, I wasn't crying about it. Okay, I told her, like, keep the freezers shut, uh, you know, fridge shut, freezer shut, don't 
do anything you don't need to do. Uh, because we're on a well, you know, I got a pressure tank from a well. So I had a little bit of water that I could run. Um, water heater's gas, not a problem there. And it was the middle of summer, so I didn't need to turn the heat on. She was a little upset because it was warm and, and it's, it's, it was a thing. Uh, she was uncomfortable. Here it gets warm and humid is a problem. But, you know, we, I can live with that. She can live with that. We can get through stuff like that. She went to work most of the days. Um, so she was in the air condition most of the days. And then it cools off at night and we could be comfortable with the windows open. And that wasn't a big deal. But uh, we were sitting here the whole first day. And I was thinking to myself, and I didn't think about it at the time, and then, uh, then it just hit me. I'm like, you know, all this preparing and stuff I, I did, I had a generator in my garage, and I didn't even think about it. I, I, it was tucked in the back of my garage, and it, like I said, it took me 16, maybe 18 hours of no power before I remembered that. I was like, oh, shoot, man, I have a generator just laying there. So we were actually till the next morning before I even fired that thing up. And then when I fired it up, I only ran a couple things. Like I said, we're on well. I don't, I, uh, I'm on a shallow well, which makes it even more, you know, amazing as I got, uh, the well pumps actually right in the, right in my basement here. So I ran an extension cord to my well pump. It's 1800 Watts, which is nothing. I got a 5,000 watt generator. Fired that up, not a problem. I ran an extension cord upstairs to the fridge, had the fridge staying cold. Um, the only problem I had is, she's gonna yell at me if she ever listens to podcasts. I hope she doesn't, but she will. Uh, she showers in the morning and she has to have a blow dryer. All right, women with blow dryers uh, drive me nuts. Um, refrigerator is 800 watts of energy. And that's like the startup. I mean, I don't even think my refrigerator runs on 800 watts energy. 1800 watts fire up my well pump. Uh, that I thought that would be the biggest drain on my system that I can think of. It's almost 2,000 watts for a hair dryer. Women out there, if you're listening to this, I hate to be the one to say this, but oh my God, the largest power drain in your house is drying your hair. I mean, shoot, like. The toaster's like 1,200 watts, and I don't know, those electric heaters, you get the dial ones, it's 1,500 watts or something like that, but seriously, almost 2,000 watts for a hairdryer? I was shocked. I could run two fridges off of that thing. Um, but she needed it, so I told her, when you, you know, when you want to run your hairdryer, we'll unplug the fridge and, and hope, you know, listen to make sure the well pump's not running because I don't want to run both of them at the same time as one of them is going to win. And uh, so that's a thing. I was, uh, I mean, I had 5,000 watts, but I ran a couple things. I ran a couple small fans. Um, a little trick I learned uh, when I lived in Arizona is you fill your bathtub up with cold water, and then you go to the store and you get a pack of ice. Throw a pack of ice in the cold water. Uh, because I had my fridge running, uh, my ice maker was going, so I'd throw ice in this thing once in a while. But you take like a towel and you dunk it in the ice water, cold water, and you hang it up and you let a fan go behind it and you make basically a swamp cooler. Um, it works, does kind of keep cold. Another thing that I did here that, uh, that works really good is because I have that like I said, I got that root cellar. I didn't have any food in there. I didn't have anything in there. Uh, I still don't have anything in there. It's too moist right now. 
But the uh, nice thing about having that root cellar, the root cellar stays really cold. So what I actually did is I propped the door open for the root cellar and put a fan in there blowing upstairs. And uh, it kept circulating cold air in the house. It was actually pretty nice uh, to be able to do stuff like that. But that was a big deal. I mean, being without power for, you know, 10 days. And, and we're in a, like I said, we're on the urban fringe. We're not that far from the city. So, I mean, we could run in and grab this, that, and the other um, when we needed it. I forgot what we ended up doing to cook food once in a while. I know we did a lot of uh, ordering out, ordered pizza, and ordered this and that. I mean, I went to work, too. She went to work. It was a small, uh, small emergency uh, situation where not everybody was having those problems. And uh, I could go to work, and work had power. I could shower there. I could eat food there and then we'd come home and everything would be fine you know but it really kind of opened I think her eyes to it more than mine but it showed a lot of my weaknesses in my system I'm I'm actually that's where this whole thing came from I got to get a battery bank I want to hook up solar uh, that's one and then two I want to put in at least two small uh, wind turbines I'm thinking like one 800 watt and if I can get like a 1200 watt um, small wind turbine setup, that's that's gonna be a thing. Um, I, have a, I have a fairly extensive history with electronic engineering and electronics. Uh, you know, um, I, I worked on cars and motorcycles and everything, like I said, so I mean, I, could, I know wiring systems pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I talked about this, but I did three years of electronic engineering. I got DCAC1, DCAC2, and digital under my belt. So I do understand a little bit about electronics. Um, and I understand a little bit about uh, things mechanically. So I feel like I can set this up. It shouldn't be too bad, but that's definitely one of the things I'm going to be working on here soon. And I'll talk about it when I do it. Um, another thing I, I thought was a big deal, uh, like I said, that'll probably take care of most of my problems, but one thing I definitely want to do is I want to look into a uh, little, well, I mean, obviously I'm going to stockpile a little more water. Uh, that was nice that we were able to go to the store and buy water. We even actually went and donated water. And like most people out there in the preparedness world, it, they'll tell you, you know, it's not, um, it's not just about being prepared for yourself, but being able to take, you know, take care of your neighbors. Um, it is not your responsibility to look into your neighbor's pot to see if you have enough, or to see if you have as, have, have as much as they do, if they're, you and them are equal. It's you look over there to make sure they have enough to get by. And I know when this emergency happened, I, uh, I yelled over at my neighbors right away and uh, I asked him if I need to run an extension cord just keep the sump pump running. I know he was having a problem with the sump pump. He said he was fine. He had actually grabbed a generator from work. Uh, he works construction so he grabbed a little portable generator just so he could run his pump. And uh, I think they went over to uh, their parents house for a couple of days while he, uh, his kids and wife and he you know, hung around a little bit. But I mean it was a, like I said, it was a small emergency. We were able to help each other out and get through it. It wasn't that big of a deal, but on a larger scale emergency, I mean, I hope I can rely on uh, 
people to help me out as much as I try and help everybody else out and I hope everything will go smooth and nobody will go nuts and things won't go all crazy and I mean and if they do you know tinfoil hat in here I'll uh, I'll put on my tinfoil hat a little bit here since we're talking about prepping and all that but I mean if it's really the end of the world kind of thing I think I'm okay uh set up with some of that stuff I don't have enough food I'm definitely going to talk about that I got to set up more food I got 70 two hours worth of food i uh, i practice fasting uh almost constantly so, i mean so i'll go two three days without eating at all and that's not uh that's not a big deal for me because i do it so often and uh i go most days most of the day on just a few nuts um you know uh i eat sunflower seeds that's one of my things um keeps me from uh you know, whatever you want to like smoking or chewing tobacco or something. A lot of people do that stuff. I don't, I, I eat sunflower seeds. I'll tell you what, if, if there ever is a shit hits the fan situation, the end of the world comes, that's how they're going to track me. Uh, they're going to find me because I'm going to be spitting seeds the whole way through the woods. And, uh, and I mean, maybe it'll be a thing. Maybe it won't be. Maybe those seeds will attract enough squirrels that I can eat squirrel. Uh, that's that's the way I look at it but I, I will probably have a bag of seeds on me the day I die um, and that's just my thing uh, like I said I don't smoke uh, I don't really drink I try and stay healthy and stay eat clean but man sunflower seeds uh, sodium is probably what's gonna kill me but um, but other than that like I said I don't I probably got 72 hours worth of food if I go through my cabinets I got a few gallons of water um, but I have a well, so I'm not really worried about it, but I want to put in a second well. I think I brought that up. And I have that root cell in it. Root cell is really interesting because it builds up a lot of condensation. And I started putting, I put a little bucket in there to collect the condensation once. And uh, I get a lot of condensation out of there. I mean, I can get a few cups a day. And that might not be, uh, you know, the most... Um, we call it the healthiest amount of water you know you need eight glasses a day or whatever but i mean it'll it'll keep me alive for a little while but like i was saying before i actually live i live less than two blocks from a lake um and that's a big deal for me i have i have fish in there there are fish i could fish lakes there uh i have kayaks we can get out on the water if we need to and i can run down to the you know i got i got a really nice patch of woods between my backyard in this lake uh, that I could sneak through at night if I have to and grab buckets of water and then sneak back to my house. If uh, it ever gets that bad, I hope it never does. But if it ever does, like I said, I can tinfoil hat a little bit and talk about like, if it, if it ever gets that radical, I'm, you know, and I get to, if I'm bugging in, maybe that's a thing, but uh, maybe, maybe uh, most likely I'll bug out. And that's, that's another thing I got. I think about that all the time, being uh, the way I am. I I got like three, four, so four auxiliary bug out locations with family and friends. Uh, you know, all of them are either on a, uh, three of them are on lakes, which is nice. I don't have to worry about running out of water there. Uh, all of them have septics. All of them have wells. So those are all problems that we don't have. And then one of them actually has the one that's not on a lake uh, has two springs on the property and a trout stream. 
so I'm not really worried about any of them. I'm in a good part of the country where I can kind of get that stuff. Um, like I said, I mean, Wisconsin's got water. That's one thing. I mean, if they contaminate the water, that's, you know, maybe we can have a problem with that. But I mean, other than that, I can, I'm sure I can find ways to purify or clean the water up. But like I said, I mean, those are, those are those little problems. Uh, couple things I wanted to get into though little quick hacks uh, or a quick hack I don't know if I have multiples but I got one that I was thinking of earlier and I wanted to share this with people man one of these things that I think uh, is really great I know a lot of people have like a tractor supply um, I get mine from Harbor Freight so are the uh, Harbor Freight's large moving blankets okay they got the big thick padded moving blankets and uh, I didn't know this until I was working. I was working in this factory, and we needed to uh, freeze a lot of parts and heat a lot of parts to get uh, for interference fits. So we're fitting parts together uh, with using temperature to shrink one and expand the other, so they fit together with real, real tight tolerances. But uh, if you get like a couple of those moving blankets. And I'm not kidding, uh, we used to have parts that were so big, you put them in the freezer and you couldn't shut the door, so you have to leave the door open or, we, you know. Uh, so what we used to do is we put a tarp over it. And the tarp was there to keep the moisture barrier, you know, the tarp uh, wouldn't let the frost get into the moving blankets. But then you put a, a moving blanket over the top of that and that would keep the part frozen all night without running your uh, freezer very heavy. I mean, they're great insulators, and that's another thing we do uh, here when the power goes out, if power goes out every once in a while, but when the power goes out, I get those moving blankets, and uh, I wrap them around the chest freezer that I have now. And the chest freezer's full of meat, and the meat will help keep it cool in there. Um, another little cheat hack that uh, a lot of people probably do or don't know but I'll fill up uh, gallon jugs with water and uh, they're, you know, they're okay, they'll live. Um, but I put them in the, you know, I put them in the freezer. That way they stay, you know, uh, cold, but it, it's extra ice in there if the freezer ever goes out, it keeps the freezer colder longer. It's a small freezer, I'm not too worried about, you know, I'm full of deer. Um, but but I really like doing that. That's a that's a neat little trick, and also then it keeps your water, you know, hidden and keeps it from growing bacteria and all that other stuff. Uh, obviously, I keep a few gallons of water around. I keep a couple cases of spare water around, even though I have all the other uh, options. But I mean, if we got to take out our take off, do a little bugging out, that's uh, definitely something that I can grab. It's portable water, so. Like I said, I mean, that's uh, those are some of the options that I have that I've come up with over the years. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else out there that I want to talk. I mean, there's tons of stuff I want to talk about, but after a while, I'm just rambling. But, uh, you know, those are a few of the things around the house that, uh, that I've had to do, we've had to work on. I'm working on getting the uh, my off-the-grid block, the uh, inverter block, you want to call it, uh, or my, I don't know what to call it. It's like an adapter block for my 
uh, house. So basically, I want a big switch. I'm putting a big switch in, and I'm having a bunch of outlets put in so that basically what I can do is I can have a switch to whether I'm getting power from the grid or I'm switching off the grid. And I'm putting in the box in so that I can run my directly to my fuse panel with my generator and my battery bank and my wind turbines and my solar panels all at one time. And that way I could just switch it off. You know, when the power goes out that way, I'm not back feeding electricity to the power company. I'm just gonna have a big breaker that shuts it all off. Uh, that way I'm not going backwards. Nobody on the line is gonna get shocked. And I'm over here in my little happy la la land. Uh, you know what my house lit up i'm sure my neighbors are going to get mad but i'm only going to run a few things that way hopefully nobody sees me because let's let's be let's be real here operational security please uh try and keep everything on the down low with that stuff and uh hopefully the wife doesn't go telling all the neighbors about all our craziness or my craziness but uh i am going to talk about one other thing uh there was a post to one of the prepper groups I follow on Facebook and uh, this post was from a young man about 16 years old and if you're listening to this and you are a young man around you know oh my god you know 12 would be a great age to start this kind of stuff but uh, 16 years old 14 years old 13 whatever but if uh, or woman but a young age like that uh, they were talking about as a youth and a person who wants to get into prepping, what, what options are there for somebody of that age? And the first thing I thought is obviously education. A person at that age can learn so much and, uh, and they were kind of asking where do they go for these kind of educations? What are, where can they go to learn these things? And I, and I threw out the Boy Scouts, obviously. Uh, for somebody that age, that would be perfect. And then I said the um, fire departments. They have youth programs at the fire departments. Please, uh, anybody, go down to your local fire department, especially with the scout program. We, we have scouts at our department all the time doing walkthroughs and stuff, but we have youth programs at the fire department that's like a you know a, a little training program for people who want to look into being firefighters and we train them though they come out on the you know we train uh, as a as a volunteer firefighter we train every week uh once a week we set a day aside every week and four to six hours uh that day and we'll train and that's not the only trainings and those youth people would be invited to any of the trainings. Sometimes we get together on weekends. Sometimes we do all sorts of other stuff. So, you know, I gotta go back to school all the time. Uh, there's tons of training to go through, but uh, that would be a great one for somebody young. And because it's a volunteer program, they don't have to be there every time, but I mean, they're giving away free education. And uh, it also made me think about that as adults. Some of you people as adults, I know there's a lot of people out there who are getting into prepping and stuff like that. Um, volunteering, um, big part of being prepared preppers and stuff is getting involved in your community, knowing about your community. I'd listen to this from another guy on a podcast. He was talking about how, you know, it's big part of operational security as a prepper 
to get involved in your community. Being a firefighter gets you really involved in the community. Uh, volunteering anywhere will get you involved in your community. Go down to the soup kitchen, um, have Habitat for Humanity in your area. I mean, any of that stuff. I mean, go down to the local like Goodwill, whatever, thrift stores. Volunteer down there if you can. Uh, Boys and Girls Clubs. I had a buddy of mine who was EMT and he was a big brother, big uh, for, for youth group, doing the big brothers, big sisters thing. And I mean, that was great. And he got to know some of the neighborhood kids and you know, stuff like that. And that was, that was a good thing that he did. And it was good for him, he's a smart, smart guy. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. And especially like people were adults. I mean, if you're, I wanna say 21, cause I mean, let's face it. If you're 18 and you're gonna go into the fire department, I don't know exactly if you know enough yet, and let's, I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, uh, you're not gonna be invited to all the other extracurricular activities if you're not 21. I mean, we, you know, the guys all wanna hang out after hours too. So, but if you're 21 and older, uh, look into firefighting, look into volunteer firefighting. Um, I've got, uh, a few years of school under me now and I'm going for some more I'm trying to take my uh, I got an EMR I've done the stop the bleed programs I'm on the uh, response task force for active shooters I've, I've got a lot of trainings under me I've got a lot of certifications under me for all that stuff um, I've got uh, trauma certifications and stuff like that for emergency trauma medicine I've done uh, spinal immobilizations for uh, motorcycle accidents, helmet removal, specialized uh, helmet removal so that you're not doing any uh, spinal damage taking off a person's helmet, especially if you need to open up an airway and a lot of stuff like that. I know a lot of those things uh, also helps out. I'm a big off-roader. All that stuff comes in handy off-roading. Trauma, uh, stop the bleed splinting everything like that it's going to help out and that's all stuff you can learn learn go, volunteering at the fire department uh they're going to teach you anything you want to know and they're not even they're not going to charge you for that education most most of the time some of them will actually uh you get paid at some of them even though it says volunteer they got paper calls uh stations you can get all sorts of great benefits from it i think uh, a lot of people don't know that you should should volunteer, should join your volunteer fire department. They have volunteer police departments, uh, backup cops, overflow cops, whatever they have, you know, they'll give you training if you want it. There's a lot of that stuff um, in the military. Shoot, man, if you're 18 years old, uh, I think best thing a lot of people can do that they don't is join the military. Uh, it, it's a great place. They're gonna teach you tons of new stuff. You're gonna learn all sorts of fun things. Uh, not just shooting you get specialties and stuff like that i always tell people you're gonna join the military i got buddies did this man become a medic that's a great one i got another buddy who's a pilot um you know he he was uh he he served overseas as a pilot he came back and, and he got offered a job as a pilot he actually turned it down to become a pilot somewhere else because they were going to give him more more benefits so that's that's awesome stuff do that if you can um you know, there's a lot of a lot of options out there for the youth, and uh, I think you guys should take full advantage of it. And don't be afraid. I everybody's like, uh, "What's the last thing uh, you said before you do something?" You know, it's, "Hey, y'all, watch this," or "This is really gonna hurt." Well, I always tell people, "Like, well, man, that's your opportunity. Don't let it pass you by." 
you know, take those opportunities, learn new things. I always do that. I'm, I'm like the worst person that most of the people I know know. Every time somebody's like, hey man, you want to try this? You want to do this or something new? I always say yes. I have a, when I was younger, I was afraid of everything and I never did anything. I never tried anything. I was about 17 years old. I decided I was never going to let another opportunity pass me by. So I try everything I can. That's actually why I started this podcast. I was sitting around one day. I was like, shoot, I can do that. And if I think I can do it, I do it. I, I take it upon myself and go out and try stuff. And do that as a youth. Go out and try stuff. Uh, take the opportunity. Like I said, um, stop by places like, like I said, uh, libraries post some stuff. I don't see as much anymore. But, I mean, definitely get up and get out there. Do some of these things. I get real sick of this. Uh, all these kids playing their games on the computer and they have no real life. Um and that's, that's yeah, whatever. I don't know if I want to get into it right now, but, but definitely got to do it. Um, anybody who talks to me or listens to this can realize real fast, I'm a patriot. Uh, I love my country. I'll stand up and defend my country anytime, anywhere. And that's a thing. And uh, I don't even, you know, I just wanted to make that aware. Like I said, I'm a firefighter. I do that because I'm, I'm in... I got to give back. That's part of me has to give back to my community, has to give back to the people. And I'm, I'm willing to do that. And that uh, kind of ties into like I was saying with that started out long time ago at the beginning of this podcast about what's going on in Virginia. Uh, it's BS. The government's just being a bunch of jerks. Uh, they're trying to take people's guns away. And that's, that's not going to work. Uh, we've already been there. We've done that. Revolutionary War happened. Uh, people just keep ignoring history about the fact that we're not the type of people, especially in America. I mean, come on, Virginia? Shit. Like, come on, son. <laughs> That's not a place to start. Um, man, New York is a place to start. You want to take people's guns away. I mean, I'd try New York, but I don't even think they're going to let it go. Um, what is that? New Hampshire's got like the Free State Project going on. Or maybe it's Vermont. Vermont or New Hampshire, I forgot. Look that up, man. Free State Project. That's that's a thing. Um, they got stuff going on everywhere. Uh, half the counties in Virginia are sanctuary cities now. I mean, what did you expect was going to happen? There's going to be backlash on both sides. And uh, I don't know. I feel like tinfoil hatting. Uh, it's only a matter of time before something happens. Uh, as far as that stuff goes, I don't know. I don't think an all-out war is really a good thing. I don't think anything good comes from... I shouldn't say nothing good comes from fighting, but uh, war is going to be rough. That would be a bad one. And I think it's just going to be a big political war, but whatever. Like I said, that's just my opinion. I'm just talking right now. But, uh, oh, another thing. Adults uh, and kids, youth and adults, if you want your kid to get out and learn to shoot... I recommend everybody gets out and learns to shoot. I work at a gun range. I teach this stuff. I believe everybody should get out and learn to shoot. <clears throat> and I don't think there's any reason why people should ever be afraid of firearms. There's no reason to be afraid of an inanimate object that can't hurt you. It's an inanimate object, all right? If you were afraid of a gun, then it's like being afraid of a pencil, okay? It's not like being afraid of spiders. They can hurt you, and they will. But like, you know, uh, and don't be afraid of that. I teach people all the time. I've been doing it for eight years. But one thing I'm going to bring up that is nationwide in America, 
If you want to learn to shoot, especially rifles, and if you want to get good at it, get yourself a 22 Appleseed Project. Look it up. I don't have a website for you or anything, but just look look up Google Google search. Get the Google machine out. Uh, I'm sure you know what. If everybody who listens to this podcast, which is like five people right now, but if everybody gets out their phone and and looks up the Appleseed Project, spread the word. Tell your friends. I'll spread the word for Appleseed Project. One of the guys I know actually is an instructor for Appleseed, um, and I I love the idea. Appleseed is a 22 league. They shoot up to 100, 150, sometimes even further distances. But, I mean, it's going to get you really good at shooting. Sure, it's a competition. Sure, you can win prizes. But you walking in the door the first day, don't be intimidated by that. They got youth clubs for apple seed. They got kids out there shooting this thing. You know, six, eight, ten-year-olds and stuff. And I, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, your eight-year-old son... 22 rifle that is not a problem at all i don't care what the the media or any of those people say man you get that boy a gun uh if you don't do that shame on you you're taking something away from that kid that that whatever thunderberg or whatever over in sweden's talking about uh like oh they took away my childhood or something like that and be like yeah somebody did because they didn't teach you how to shoot probably you know you can pick yourself up a gun to have a hobby, something better to do instead of complaining. All these people angry about everything all the time. Y'all are just bored. Um, really, I think you need to turn the computer off, uh, shut off the video games, get off the phone, and uh, go plant yourself a garden. Like, seriously. Uh, if you spend a little bit more time digging in dirt, uh, getting closer to earth and nature, you'd be way, way further ahead. Uh, than anybody else you know. I, I miss that about my middle, uh, my elementary school did that to us. Elementary school had a garden, outdoor garden. We used to teach classes outside. Uh, I love that about being in school in, uh, in the rural area in Wisconsin. Uh, we had, we had te- classes teaching us how to uh, do plants. I'll even talk about that later. We'll probably get to another podcast. I'm going on about an hour now. I don't want to go over an hour. Uh, because it'll be too much talking, too much listening to you guys listening to me. If you listen to me for an hour, I can't believe it. But uh, any of that, uh, any of that stuff, get get out, and get your kids out, and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy the world. Uh, have fun with it. And uh, I feel like that's about all I can put on this podcast. Well, I'm gonna get into some other stuff. I, just, I mean, I'm gonna open up a whole can of worms if I keep talking about some of these things. But I feel like this started slow, but I get all passionate about things, and we'll. Uh, Again, I got to nail down real topics right now. I was just blabbering on about prepping and why I like prepping and getting into prepping. And like I said, uh, patriotism. I mean, seriously, people get out there uh, with the voting and stuff. Uh, call your congressman. I call my representative all the time. I send him emails. I'm sure he doesn't like me very much. I'm always telling him what to do. But he's my representative. He's supposed to listen. So I send him emails. Uh, everybody can do that. Yeah, so, but I'm going to have to get off of this thing here. Uh, like I said, uh, lots of stuff I'm going to have to get into. I'm going to I'm gonna sit down and open up my everyday carry bag. I got a, I got a, a get-home bag. I got a uh, stuck-in-my-car bag that I'll open up. Um, my get-home bag will be in conjunction with my stuck-in-the-car bag because my stuck-in-the-car bag is just like blankets and extra clothes and stuff and a little bit of food, a uh, couple of 
tins. Uh, man, I tell you what, as an, I'll, I'll have to get into that another time, but I'll keep in mind them uh, Altoid tins. Man, those things are lifesavers. But uh, we'll have to talk about that on another podcast. I really appreciate everybody listening. Please share the podcast with your friends. Tell everybody you know. Um, I'm trying to get this big. Uh, one little thing on personally on the podcast, I got 50 views uh, as of last night, which is or 50 listens. So as of last night, I have had 50 plays on this podcast, which is a big thing for me. I think it's pretty cool. But like I said, um, keep it up, everybody. Everybody who's listening, everybody who wants to listen. And I really appreciate everything. Uh, we'll, like I said, we'll get more into gardening and shooting and all that stuff as it goes. And I'll probably make some videos coming up. I got some, uh, I'm going to be at the range again this weekend. Maybe I'll do some shooting. Uh, I got some great, great uh, interviews coming up and a couple other good topics. So like I said, share the podcast. Follow me on Instagram, please. All right. It's guns, oil, and dirt. Uh, at Instagram, at Guns, Oil, and Dirt, on Twitter, and the Guns, Oil, and Dirt, Dirt MeWe chat group. Please follow along. I uh, really appreciate everything from everybody. Thank you guys, and I'll chat at you later.